0: Game, game, game
1: scary yeah so anyways mike i guess you can probably assume that travis barker is what aliens think all humans look like i'd like to think that and you know what
2: i really want them to create some space art featuring travis barker and the stars but uh, we're live neil
1: Oh, well, Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm sure that Tom DeLonge would be very happy to know that the the aliens take uh, Travis Barker with him and leave him behind (laughs) after all of these years. But uh, we'll have to wait and see. We haven't actually listened to the new Blink album yet at the time of recording this episode. So uh, Mm. stay tuned next week for our early review on those songs. But in the meantime, Mike, I did some historical Toronto sightseeing, kind of, which was a lot of fun last weekend. I went to uh, an old schoolhouse here in Toronto, which was built in 1858. And I finally went to Casa Loma, which is kind of like the big old castle at the north end of the city, which was a ton of fun. I had never been there before. Uh, basically, everybody in Toronto has been there for an escape room or a dinner or a, a field trip, but somehow, like like Neo in The Matrix, I dodged all of those bullets, <laughs> and at the age of basically 30 years old, I finally went to this old castle in Toronto, which was a ton of fun. Uh, my wife took me there for my 30th birthday, uh, one of the daily events that we're doing right now leading up to my birthday, um, and it was really cool just like exploring the old dungeons. I got to go through the hallways, where... Tons of movies have been filmed, including X-Men, the original X-Men film. When you see Logan come out of, uh, when he wakes up and he comes out into the hallway, that's in Toronto. And it was a ton of fun to see that. I got my photo taken and everything, and I got to go... Underground where they film scenes like from movies like The Pacifier and some other great movies that we've seen over the years. There's a scene from The Love Guru filmed over there. So just a fun time being a tourist in my own city, which I love doing sometimes.
2: Yeah, that's very cool. I I went to Casa Loma many years ago for a school trip or, or something. And I think I've been since maybe once. So I think like twice overall. A beautiful old castle uh, that's uh, actually not old. It was, I think, built in like the 1900s. But it's one of those classic ones that looks like a uh, an old castle. Really funny. We had some people from Poland visit the office uh, for work and we're taking them around Toronto they saw the castle and they were like oh is is uh is this one of those castles that's made to look old but isn't actually I was like ah oh, <laughs> you got it can't tell yep. you Europeans you uh no. you have real castles so uh, yeah. uh but uh, that's pretty cool Neil. that's uh, that's nice to hear I'm glad you're enjoying your your birthday month uh, this mm-hmm. uh, the entire October is uh is not just for Halloween it's also for Neil's birthday
1: that's right. If, if if this year wasn't enough about me already with my wedding and everything else, I definitely needed a whole month dedicated to me. But it's been fun. It's uh, it's really cool. Like I said before, it's great. Going around your own city, kind of seeing new places. Scott Pilgrim—that's another movie that's filmed there. <laughs> I'm yes. just thinking of other films that were filmed uh, with the uh, the famous Chris Evans scene where he jumps down the staircase on the skateboard. That's that's Loma as well. I didn't get to those stair that staircase though. I think it's closed right now. If that even exists, it does. Um, yep. it, I think it's closed right now for uh, it's a, there's a whole Halloween exhibit right now. They they make the whole castle haunted in the uh, in the fall time and the I win- almost at the winter time in the Halloween time. They set it all up with dragons and zombies and everything else. It looks cool, but you're right, it's fun That castle is only about 100 years old Um, from the outside. It looks older just because it's that uh, Scottish and English inspired brick. But then you go inside and it's uh, obviously a lot of wood. But then like you go into the walls and you see like basically Toronto brick, uh, (laughs) like from the early 1900s. So it's really funny uh, when you peel apart the pieces, but still really fun to explore.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's. I'm glad you had a nice time exploring. And Neil, I had a little bit of a time exploring in in video games. Uh, mm. This is the best way I can I can tie this one in. <laughs> nice segue. I, I appreciate it. I thought that was good. Oh, thank you, thank you. Uh, explored. Uh, it takes two. The award winning, the the game of the year award winning game uh, from 2021. I believe it was, uh, uh, that uh, came out on many flat platforms that did eventually come on to Switch as well. I played it with your copy, Neil, on the PS5, and uh, it was a ton of fun, really great game by Hazel Light Games, Games, uh, published by EA, and uh, they also made A Way Out, which is a really fun game that I played a couple summers ago with friend of the show, Brennan, who was on last week, uh, and it, it Takes Two was was great like it's a it's a great two-player game there's so many cool mini games in it there's a lot of detail there's a lot of love put into it the um the story i think was was very cool where it's like two divorced uh parents or, or soon to be divorced parents who um uh who got turned into these little dolls, I guess that uh, that are played with by the the kid who doesn't want them to get divorced, and you have to do things together to help each other out. And uh, even though they're bickering the whole time at each other, uh, and uh, you know you see their love blossom again, and uh, you have the uh, the book, uh, Doctor Hakim's book, that uh, <laughs> that damn book that I, I I was really I wanted to fight that book the entire time. Uh, uh, you uh, you have him uh, taking along the journey, and yeah, I was I, I was. I don't I don't want to say pleasantly surprised because I, I knew it was a good game obviously, but I was uh, I was very uh what's more yeah. yeah yeah
1: it met your expectations which it is did. which is fine like it doesn't not every game needs to blow your expectations in the nuts like you know it, yeah. it's fine if it's just as good as you thought it was going to be and i agree i had a ton of fun i played that last year i got that uh, game for my my birthday and uh, me and my wife played it together it, it's definitely a game that you need to play with a partner i know you can play it alone uh, that would be um, weird. but i know but <laughs> I, th- I i think you i i think our friend john might have played it by himself but uh No, like it's just, it's so much more fun to play it with somebody else. And that's the whole point is your, that's like the, the message of the game is that it takes two to, you know, overcome challenges and get through life. Like it's, it's meant to be a very sentimental and emotional game. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to spoil the story too much, but I love all the characters that you come across. It reminded me a lot of, uh, Honey, We, I Shrunk Ourselves, the nineties movie, um, like a lot like that you go around and you you're using things that ordinarily are small but you're they're big to you uh you construct uh vehicles and weapons out of weird things you fight bees and squirrels and everything else and uh you fight against toys and and you go through bedrooms and it's just a really fun like toy story kind of game and very wholesome too and a quick game that you can beat in over a couple of weekends a couple weeknights with your spouse or a friend um if you haven't played it already i'm sure if you're listening to this podcast you've probably seen gameplay of it or you've already played it but uh yeah if for some reason you have slept on this game for a couple of years definitely check it out I'm sure at this point you can probably find it on uh, steam sales and switch sales for relatively inexpensive relatively inexpensive
2: yeah it's I I would imagine it's it's relatively uh cheap now but it's uh and a way out which is their other game is also really good so I, I would say it would be it's cool to play both of those like we played a way out first and then this game which I really liked because you can see all the quality of life improvements they took uh. from uh, uh, A Way Out and basically just brought them to uh, uh, It Takes Two, which was n- nice to see. It Takes Two definitely feels like a much more polished game than A Way Out. There's just a lot more going on. There's there's quite a bit of more dev time that was definitely involved in creating it. And the mini games are what really stand out to me, that they're yeah. all pretty well done and a lot of effort and time went into creating them. So. Great game. Highly recommend it. But there are also some video games that came out 20 years ago, Neil. What was the world look like in October
1: 2003? That's right. The last episode of the month, which is crazy. We've come uh, to the end of a month again. And as is tradition, we need to go back and look at what happened 20 years ago in video games, movies, music, and just overall world news. In video games, Mike, on October 7th, the n was released. That's right. It's finally twenty. We had Max Payne 2 and Jack 2 on October 14th. We had SSX 3 on October 20th. Super Mario Advanced 4, Super Mario Bros. 3 on October 21st. Thug, Tony Hawk Underground on the 27th. Rainbow Six 3 on October 28th. And Call of Duty on October 29th. So Call of Duty is turning 20 this year. Yes. And I might just be on the wrong channels and everything. I might be listening to the wrong shows, watching the wrong YouTubers. But I feel like Activision... Hasn't really done much to celebrate the twentieth anniversary the same way a Nintendo would.
2: Yeah, Nintendo. Well, Nintendo is very hit and miss. But sometimes they just decide to go really hard and uh, and celebrate a anniversary. And sometimes they don't care at all. So uh, that's the Nintendo way. With Activision, it is weird because this is their big money maker. Modern Warfare three is uh, is coming out uh, to uh, to consoles everywhere. I think around the same time as uh, uh, for like the the anniversary. But yeah, I, I, it would be. I I would like to see maybe something more from them. We did get uh, that Call of Duty game Vanguard, uh, I think it was, last year. That was supposed to be kind of a Call of Duty 1 type of uh, style game in World War 2, but uh yeah we'll we'll see i don't know activision they got their own problems they got yeah <laughs> there's a lot of stuff they, going
1: on they only celebrate anniversaries when i can make them billions of dollars but in the movie theaters mike on october 3rd we had school of rock on october 10th kill bill volume 1 and on october 24th scary movie 3 so uh the movie there that i need to call out is school of rock 20 years of top 10 film for me of all time i adore school of rock it's uh, one of the best movies of all time in mm-hmm. my opinion
2: Oh, I agree. I mean, it's one of the most quotable movies ever. I love everything about School of Rock. And that's, yeah, that's kind of crazy. That's 20 years old. I mean, all this stuff. Scary Movie 3 actually is really funny because I remember watching that with you on Halloween, mm-hmm. maybe 2004, I guess, if this came out October 24th,
1: uh, 2000. Yeah, that might have been the next year we got it from yeah. Blockbuster as a rental. That would make sense. Yeah. Really close crazy.
2: to Halloween. That's maybe even too mm-hmm. close.
1: Maybe. I mean, it's kind of funny how, like, horror, actual horror films come out, like, late summer, and then these spoof movies come out the week before Halloween, yeah. and they get it right, and Friday the 13th, so I'll get it wrong. Yeah. But uh, in music, on October 21st, we had Bare Naked Ladies' Everything to Everyone, which is one of their last albums with Stephen Page, I think. Getting to the end of it, anyway. Mm-hmm. Also on October 21st, we had Zebraheads MFZB, which is one of my favorite albums by them. And on October 31st, Halloween, Teenage Bottle Rocket came out with their debut album, Another Way. So happy 20 years to Teenage Bottle Rocket, I guess. (laughs) That's crazy. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, I listened to them back in like 2010 for like a month and then uh, I stopped. Yeah, that (laughs) sounds very right. Yep. In world news on October 1st, 4chan was released. I remember people talking about 4chan a long time ago and then never again uh october 7th arnold schwarzenegger was elected the governor of california on october 16th apple launched its itunes music store wow. on october 25th the florida marlins win the world series against the yankees uh i thought this was funny because the jays just got uh, lambasted and they were in the, in the uh, playoff round so baseball news for you there and on october 30th 20 years ago i turned 10 i think that's the biggest highlight of all this i think it's you fortune uh and then uh itunes existing yeah so you're above itunes I, I'd like to think so. I'm definitely, I'm still around. So there's that. <laughs> Zing. Um, <laughs> but Mike, I think that it's about time that we jumped into today's topic. What do you think? Let's do it, Neil. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 35 of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast, the show about all things retro that we love from our childhood. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one podcast on the internet, hosted by people who still like to support the iTunes store. You can support the show on patreon.com forward slash unlocking what was cool. Supporters at the $5 level get to submit and vote on our monthly Patreon elected episode. Last week, we talked about the classic 2006 album, Welcome to the Black Parade. If you haven't already, go back and check it out. This week, we are talking about the classic 1990s Tim Schafer PC game that has got one of the largest cult followings of any adventure game in history of video games. It's the touchstone for most people's knowledge of 1940s big band music, film noirs, and the Aztec afterlife. I'm, of course, talking about Grim Fandango. Mike, what are your memories of playing Grim Fandango back in the day? Well, Neil, this is a game that I had heard about. I knew about it. I honestly really just knew
2: about it because it was LucasArts of course uh just knowing star wars and being into star wars you start looking at what other things lucasfilm does and lucasarts does and uh and i was interested in it and i think i first kind of came upon it when i was playing knights of the old republic and i saw like you know how you would get in the pc box it would be like Here's some other games that mm, are that yeah. are made by this developer. Something that like you know, like books would do too, right? The, the, the one of the first pages or near the end is like that. You can find these other books by Lemony Snicket.
1: You know, back the, when <laughs> books had demos, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like yeah,
2: <laughs> no, literally, they would. The books would have demos. That I don't, They might still do for young adult books. Who knows? But um, mm. I remember seeing that and being like, oh, that's kind of cool, interesting cover. And I, I, I guess I just never really went back to it or i didn't have well i had a pc but i didn't necessarily play pc games so uh other than roller coaster tycoon of course so of course. uh grim fantango because it wasn't a serial box i uh, <laughs> really uh <laughs> I, I was kind of uh blind to it until a friend of the show dan who will be coming on for this episode uh was playing it and showed it to me on the xbox and uh, this game did get remastered i guess in uh is it to uh, 2015. Yes, yep. but he had it actually before it got remastered. He he showed me this in um cuz I think it was on Xbox or maybe it was remastered, I don't know. Time doesn't exist. But anyways, nope. he, he showed it to me on the Xbox and uh and I was pretty surprised at uh at what it could do and and like the whole story behind it and and really just the the point and click aspect of this um of this very almost antiquated game, but that's still kept your attention and uh and i really enjoyed watching him play it i played a bit with him too i i didn't get that far and uh that was kind of it i i had always wanted to play this game and then i talked to him a while ago about uh about the podcast and he asked if we'd ever cover grim fandango and i said yes i'd love to because i'd love to actually play this game and i uh i wanted to buy it on switch as well and uh then we decided to to cover this game <laughs> and uh well i discover i want really wanted to, to cover it and uh and so now i played the game i i have lots to talk about it i have lots of new nostalgia for mm-hmm. this game and uh and yeah but uh what about you neil what are, what are your memories of I, I know you haven't played grim fandango but just hearing about grim fandango
1: Yeah. Well, what I do know about Grim Fandango is that it was released on October 30th, 1998, Uh. which was the day I turned five. It was remastered on January 27th, 2015, developed and published by LucasArts. It's on Windows, Linux, Mac, PS4, PlayStation, Vita, Android, iOS, Switch, and Xbox One. Rates a 9 out of 10. Priced today at around $20 digitally when it's not on sale. And this is an adventure game. And what I really remember most about this game, honestly, is that when I was getting into collecting video games and I knew about PC gamers and a lot of the games that they talked about were games like Quake and Counter-Strike and Roller Coaster Tycoon, Age of Empires and Grim Fandango was always in that conversation. I yeah. never really knew anything about it. I figured it was like one of these point click and, point and click uh, RTSs, honestly, or a shooter. I didn't really know... What it was, I didn't realize that it was an adventure game because over the years, the, the concept of an adventure game and in, in terms of a genre has kind of been diluted into everything is a something adventure game, yep. action adventure. It's, it's always an adventure game in some way, but this really is the kind of adventure game zero um uh, as an example, at least where it's a very much a, it's a slow moving, very heavy story. Um, very good dialogue, very good music uh, kind of game because that's what PCs could do back in the day Most PCs could run this game because it was relatively easy to control your characters and to navigate the world. Um, It was really just trying to get to the next uh, story beat, for the most part, by solving puzzles and and going to the right places and talking to the correct people. Um, I played this game, finally, a few weeks ago on Steam. I bought it uh, because it was slightly cheaper than on Switch. And you mentioned that it would probably be better to play with a mouse and keyboard rather than a a, a, a controller, Mm -hmm. the pro controller. So uh, that sold me on it to buy it on Steam. And... I played it, I guess, for maybe I don't know, thirty minutes to half an hour, and I I just these types of games are just not for me, to be honest (laughs) with you. And I think you saw that coming too. Like I I just couldn't stand constantly picking uh, an arrow in a direction to go, and then you're clicking on everything to eventually find the right thing in the room, and then you got to go back to another room, and you got to talk to somebody else. It just it wasn't the type of game for me. So uh, sadly, I ended up just getting a refund on my purchase, which is probably blasphemous for for you and Dan and, and several of our listeners out there who are going to be joining the show. Um, in a little bit. So unfortunately, I don't have a ton to say about this game, Mike, other than the fact that I will say I did really enjoy the uh, the dialogue. Uh, the, the voice acting in this game is top notch, mm-hmm. really funny, very well written. And I, of course, love the music in this game. Yes. And I love the, the artwork and the graphics. And I love the theme of everything, the Day of the Dead uh, sort of aesthetic. But I think I'm going to have to kindly uh, depart because uh, I have to go see the Grim Reaper right now. Uh, he's got it. He's got a deal on a travel package for me that I, I can't pass up. You can't pass up going to the
2: ninth underworld deal. I no. mean, if you have the chance, even if you're alive, I mean, you might as well just take that chance now. So
1: mm-hmm. I'm going there in a blimp. Like, how can I give that, that up? You know, that's pretty sweet. That's pretty sweet.
2: Well, okay. I, I bid you a f- farewell. I Thank hope you. to see you again soon. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, I'll, uh, I'll bring on some other callers here to, uh, to fill your place.
1: Sounds good. I'll come back when I get, when I get to the ninth underworld, I'll come back and I'll let you know how it went. Awesome.
2: Adios, amigo. All right, Neil, sorry that you had to go, but uh, that's all right. Our first guest of the show here is friend of the show, Nicola. We're really excited to have her back on. It's been a long time. She was last on for the Mario Party episode way back on the GameCube is Cool Days. So we're excited to talk to her about a PC game today, which is Grim Fandango. And before we get into that, Nicola, I got to ask you, who is your favorite character from Grim Fandango?
0: (laughs) So, I mean, it's hard for me to remember... All of the names played like as such a young child, but I do remember there was, like, <laughs> at the very beginning of the game, there is a receptionist that, um, I think, Miss Colomar, and she helps Manny with a bunch of different things. Um, yeah, I think I just liked her outfits, and she was, like, the only female <laughs> in the game, so I was like, yeah, I like her. Um, but it's true, actually. There's not really, like, many female characters, at least in the beginning, then, you know, kind of like act with the story. So
2: That's true. Yeah. Ava is who you're talking about. Uh she is uh Manny's or or just I think she's just a general secretary at the Department yes. of Death.
0: Yeah, exactly. She has good lines and she helps like Manny kind of circumvent certain things, like signs, papers and things like that.
2: That's right, yes. And then it turns out that she is also a spy for the the LSA. Yes,
0: the secret group, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so she's got a lot of layers.
2: She does. She's got a la- lot of layers. Viva la revolution, uh, as uh, as Sal says, who's the, the boss of the LSA. But
0: Yes. Yes. Okay, yes. I'm also remembering because recep- Eva was the receptionist mm-hmm. and always flirted with Manny. And Miss Colomar is actually um, the lady who was supposed to... Meche. Yeah, yeah, she was supposed to get the direct train ticket. Um, so the next world, but doesn't get it right away.
2: That's right. Yeah. And, uh, and then Manny kind of falls in love with her because he feels so bad that he basically betrayed her. her. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Literally ruined her life. uh, Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Ruined her afterlife when he does the little exam or not exam, but like the, the asking all the questions. It seems like she's just done nothing wrong in her entire life. And she's like, Oh, I guess. I guess there's no ticket for me. I guess I'll just walk to the ninth underworld, which there's so many cool things like the setting in this game is like super interesting in the story and everything. But uh, before we get into that, I do want to get into kind of how you stumbled upon this game. You, you mentioned that you did play it as a kid. So kind of how did that all happen?
0: Yeah. So my dad really enjoyed playing PC games on mm-hmm. the family computer and yeah, it was we we only had one computer, and you know if someone was playing a game, that was just like the activity that was happening. Yep. And so I kind of get into it um, just watching my dad play. He obviously was a lot better than me, and I you know tried to play myself, and I would just copy the things that he did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of how I got into it, but I had no idea like. Until I was older, like, pretty much what the story was. Like, I didn't get that it was a whole thing about, you know, Grim Reapers, basically, and Day of the Dead. I just kind of liked the aesthetics Mm -hmm. and didn't really (laughs) kind of clock the, like, cultural aspect or anything like that. But just really thought that the characters looked cool and were, you know, funny. And, yeah, I just liked the whole look of the game.
2: Yeah, and, I mean, I still do today as well, like, as an adult, like, that's what draws me in is the aesthetic, because you were mentioning, you know, this is a PC game, this is a point-and-click adventure game, so most of the time you are, I guess you were just following where your dad was clicking on uh, (laughs) on things, for the most part, uh, because, I mean, I, it's funny, because I've been playing this on a console, on a Switch, and it's very different playing on this on a Switch than, uh, and not having a mouse.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, so, like, how do you do it now. Has it been upgraded or do you just have to like kind of move around a cursor?
2: Uh you you don't have the cursor so instead you're just moving Manny around and and pressing A and hoping to <laughs> to be able to Run find things. Something. Yeah. And <laughs> so I, it would have been a very different feel cuz I didn't play Grim Fandango when it was out back in the day, I only played like the remastered versions of it, which isn't a big difference, to be honest, but um and those were on consoles. So I never played it on PC.
0: Okay, interesting. Yeah. And I, you know, I should dig up the old like CD ROM of this because <laughs> and I would need to find, I guess, a PC that would run it. But yeah, definitely was a good time.
2: I miss PC boxes. Oh, a huge box. Right? Yeah. I remember to <laughs> be a huge box. I
0: don't know why,
2: but <laughs> But yeah, Grim Fandango, like we were talking about, it uh it starts off with Manny uh, uh not giving Meche her rightful ticket to go to the Ninth Underworld. Turns out that something else is a bruin. Uh Manny is investigating because he doesn't seem to ever get the good clients. Uh I do like playing this as an adult too because just Like Manny is almost a hard boiled sales guy who just can't seem to catch a break. It's and just working for a boss he doesn't like. It's like, oh yeah, this, like, I can see why adults can like get into this. Where, like, as a kid, you know, I'm sure you didn't, and I wouldn't have picked up on any of these like undertones. But uh, the game is split up into years. So there's year one, and that's when you're at the Department of Death uh, with Ava. That's when Randy kind of figures out what's going on. Year two uh, is when you're in Rubicavra, which is the uh, the casino town. Year three is when you're on the boat, and year four is when you're around the Ninth Underworld. Uh, so I I'm sure you didn't, uh, or you were saying earlier that you weren't, you didn't get that far in this game because you were only ten years old. But uh, but how do you, how far do you remember getting?
0: Um, so on my own, I basically remember getting, you know, in a car with Gladys, you know, making it to, like, the first gate kind of thing. That's as far as I ever got by myself, and, um, basically I know how to play that beginning part, like, (laughs) like, I don't know why I didn't get bored just playing that over and over again, and, (laughs) but after that I have, like, snippets where I remember just, like, watching my dad, So I have like, you know, um, if I watch a clip here and there, I'll have like a, like a memory that comes back like, okay, I do remember that. But I definitely don't remember the story past that first gate, just kind of like offhand.
2: Yeah, that's I mean, that's fair, because it does actually take you a while to get out of the Department of Death and that whole area. Uh, I honestly had to look up quite a few guides to figure out like what to do uh, at first, because the puzzles are hard.
0: I would say so. Yeah, like, you wouldn't necessarily know exactly what to do. Um, And I think back in the day too, like it was just really like clicking for hours and hours until you like figured it out. And then (laughs) like it, it wasn't as easy to kind of like just find the cheat. I feel like.
2: Yeah, no, it's, I mean, those games back in the day too are definitely harder than games today. I feel like games today definitely hold your hand a lot more.
0: For sure. They, they like, they want you to like continue and kind of like play through and, I've, the puzzles at the beginning, at least, they're all also, like, kind of unconventional. Like, yeah, it. I wouldn't say it's, like, stuff that you would figure out in the real world. It's, like, kind of really random. So, <laughs> yeah, it's hard to figure out for sure.
2: Like, one that I remember that I kind of got stuck on a little bit was... When you're in the – you're trying to basically prop the door open to this area where uh, you, Manny gets his letters or like the, the – the, Yeah, uh, his the mail leads. Room. Yeah, the mail room. And there's the pig, big pink demon who goes down and fixes it because I figured out how to break it. <laughs> but I couldn't figure out how to keep the door open until I – I realized that you have to like
0: leave and
2: yeah and bend the ha- like or like you have to actually click on the handle to move it so it's in the position where it's actually going to stay.
0: Mhm. Yeah, exactly. And it's like it's so random. I feel like it's not like they make it like I don't know, I feel like nowadays maybe it would like glow or something. Exactly. Yeah. after like a while, but or the or the like character would say something that like would give tip you off but like straight up they he just doesn't say anything other than like get out of here right and you're just like <laughs> okay then what do i do and it, it lets you click around i remember like you'd be like okay i'll get out of here and it lets you like completely leave i remember like completely leaving going all the way back up to the office like checking every room being like did i miss something and then going all the way back down until you figure it out like it doesn't
2: no yeah it's
0: not even like oh you're going the wrong way it just <laughs> lets you like go around in circles forever
2: I'd love it to tell me that I was going the wrong way oh my god that would have saved a lot of time because <laughs> I was trying to do a lot of it without a guide um and and some of it I, I could figure out but uh I there were times where I was just like okay I need I need a guide for this I need to figure out I'm like oh I had to go all the way back here like I never would have thought of that or like because yeah. it is a that area is pretty big and it's also you know it, it takes a while to run to each spot because each spot takes uh is, you have is... to
0: walk for so long exactly like, okay, pitter-patter 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 okay <laughs> you go and you can't just like teleport i also that's another thing in like more modern games you can just like teleport on the map or something to a new spot but this is like you literally have to walk across the street walk up like it lets you like walk out of the building and like walk around <laughs> on the ledge you're like, <laughs> Did I miss something here?
2: (laughs) And it's even funny using your your items, too, and your whole, uh, it's not necessarily an item wheel, but it's like um, a a linear item. uh, In your
0: pocket. Yeah. Yeah, It's just like, you have to, oh, not that one. Okay, not that one. You have to keep trying. And you have to remember the order, I guess, that you put stuff in yet.
2: Exactly. Yes. It's not
0: super efficient, but it's like, it like helps with the style of the game, I feel like.
2: It does. Yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely old school gaming for sure. You know, this is 1998. This game's 25 years old.
0: Is uh, it? This oh my year. goodness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I guess I had played it when I was like, yeah, maybe like eight or something. So it would have been like early 2000. So the game must have been already like two or three years old at that time, but still definitely like in its heyday.
2: Oh yeah. And I mean, it, it, it was kind of stuck with Disney for a while because Disney bought LucasArts uh, and that's who made it because, uh, you know, LucasArts, it's Star Wars and everything, right? And they were branching out to making these other adventure games that weren't Star Wars based for a while there too. And uh, and so they did manage to get it off Disney. So Disney no longer owns it, which is nice because now we can actually play it on the Switch and stuff, even though it's not optimal, but it's still fun. <laughs>
0: that's amazing. Yeah. Wasn't it, um, didn't they also have it on PlayStation and Xbox too? or?
2: They, they did. Now they do. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay, okay, yeah.
2: But yeah, so uh, in year two, and these are parts you you may remember, you may not, but...
0: Yeah, they they all happen on the same day, right? But it's just like...
2: A year part. Years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, November 2nd, which is the Day of the Dead. So uh, we go from... We managed to get all of the parts and everything for Glottis uh, to drive because Glottis is this, you know, he's this orange demon who's put on the or put into the uh uh the this underworld only to drive and that's all he wants to do and personally he's one of my favorite characters gladys
0: yeah honestly he's like very fun loving i would say when i was a kid i hated him Oh yeah <laughs> or them i think these just like just like, like genderless. yeah but i hated that i just thought they were so scary and i was like what is this supposed to be Like, it just, like, wasn't human. And, like, I didn't also clock that, like, I knew he was a demon. But I'm like, our demons, it didn't, like, look like a demon. Like, some of the demons don't look very demon-y.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: But definitely, um, yeah, and he grows on you for sure because he becomes really reliable. You, like, need him for a lot of things, so. Yeah,
2: he's he's reliable. You need him. But he is, I can definitely see as a kid him being scary to, like, or yeah, like, I was like, like,
0: what is this? <laughs> yeah,
2: there's actually a part, and I don't think you got to this part, but it's when after Rubikava where they, they have the boat and they get sunk and they're in the water and you're walking around in this, like, darkness and you try and go one way uh with this guy who has a little light on and then he's like oh no you don't want to go that way and then he turns the light to see where these all these sea creatures or like these like sea monsters and it's like one of the most terrifying things i've ever seen and i'm like oh my god if i was a kid i would have screamed <laughs> yeah
0: yeah there are definitely parts like that where it gets really dark and you're like oh my god like it's weird, like, obviously it's, you know, grim reapers and stuff like that, but most of the game is, like, per kind of upbeat looking, and, like, I don't know, you kind of, they, they kind of, like, drop some jokes and things like that, so, like, it feels more upbeat, and then there's just, like, random parts like that where it gets really dark, and you're like, oh my god.
2: Right? yeah i mean for children (laughs) it's definitely not because like yeah like the jokes definitely aren't for children too like there's a lot of like sexual innuendos that that are said uh by kind of everyone in there there's um there's a one of my favorites my actually maybe my favorite scene is with this uh with carla so in rubikava you go up to this area and uh she has a metal detector uh, and you're going through to go up to the top of this building or whatever. And it's a really convoluted puzzle to try and get her to, to like get, give her metal detector to you. She, uh, she keeps being like, oh, rats, Manny, I wish you had some metal on you so I could strip search you. <laughs> like stuff like that where I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. This is getting old. Yeah. It's a lot <laughs> of like flirting.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's, definitely... It it's definitely went over my head for sure, but it's just like, oh, this feels light and fun. Like yeah. everyone's getting along. <laughs> right.
2: And and that in that scene, my favorite part of it is so you basically have to wait for Carla to like tell her whole life story, and she's like telling it really fast. And as she's telling it, uh, all these different prompts keep coming up on your screen of what Manny can say as she's <laughs> saying it. And like you don't have to actually click on those prompts, but it's just like the amount of dialogue that they put in just in case you want to do it is pretty crazy. And I'm not sure if you noticed too, like all the things that Manny says. Because in a game this old, usually they would just say the same thing over and over again. But he actually says different things based on what you're doing.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And even like when he like goes up and talks to different people, like if you talk to Ava a couple different times, uh, she'll say different things. If you're like talking to her in the LSA, also saying like different things, like there's a lot of dialogue that's there that I thought was pretty impressive.
0: For sure. Yeah. It's definitely like written really well. And I think they spent a lot of time on that and, you know, hearing quotes and kind of like seeing clips nowadays i'm like oh okay this is this is really cool
2: right uh and of course one thing that's super super cool about this is the music uh, did this stick with you at all do you do you kind oh of my remember gosh, the music
0: yes yeah and like again i didn't really know until um you know as i grew up but like i just loved the the vibe of the music like i was like what is this like it's just something that i had never experienced before so mm-hmm. um but yeah definitely sticks with you
2: for sure It's so unique. It's so, it's like that big band feel, but mixed with like the Mexican style.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: Very unique to video games really at this time. And and so many unique tracks too. Like they're, they're constantly changing them up. But are there any moments? I mean, you mentioned a couple already, but there are, are any moments when like someone says Grim Fandango, you think of like this scene or you think of this one thing?
0: Oh my goodness. I, I remember, um... Like, the one thing that, like, really off-put me, I, like, I had, like, kind of nightmares about it. And, but now I look back and it's, like, kind of funny. But when Manny goes to the real world and, like, gets a dead, like, he gets somebody and, like, brings him back. Mm-hmm. um, He, like, reaps. Yeah. And in the real world, the people look, like, off. And it's just, like, I guess the style to sort of, like, kind of show that you're in a different zone of, or different realm but i don't know why it was so off-putting for me and just that it, it's kind of like if you haven't seen it for for the listeners who haven't played the game it's kind of like magazine clippings of people put together but in like an eerie way yeah. and i don't know that style just like freaks me out i know mike you know angela anaconda <laughs> that kind of style i don't know what it is it gives me nightmares so i remember like <laughs> for the longest time I couldn't think of anything but that but yeah it's pretty funny but uh, other than that like I just you know Manny's face like mm-hmm. just the style of the Calicas um that's you know the visuals is the main thing I remember
2: oh for sure but yeah that's I that's a great one that you brought up uh, I I
0: so scary. <laughs> yeah, it
2: is really off-putting, and that's the only time in the game you see it. You never see the real world again, other than that when Manny is going in the the car to go uh to go reap them, as you per- said.
0: Yeah, one reaper. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. So scary.
2: And it's, and it's a funny scene, too, because, you know, it's, like, this, like, scary thing of, like, death and everything, Dream Reaper coming, and then he brings the guy back, and he's not even worth anything to Manny. It's just like, oh, man, oh. like, <laughs> <laughs> damn it. Puts him in the, in the coffin, and sends him in, on his way. Uh, and it's funny, because later in the game, you actually... Uh, meet that guy that you put in the coffin i think bruno is his name do Uh, you uh, yeah yeah at the very like near the very end of the game in year four uh and uh he has a mug with him and i can't remember if you see the mug at the very beginning or not but you actually need that mug to complete one of the final uh puzzles which is pretty funny so
0: that actually might be something because you know there he's having like coffee or something with the guy when he's discussing his like options and stuff like that so maybe he just kind of puts it because uh, he does kind of, um, you know, sh- to kind of like persuade him into it. He's like, oh, you can try out this coffin, just you know, just step in kind of thing. And then it- that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe he brings his mug in with him or something that's something like, that will have to watch for.
2: Yeah, because he and then he uses this. Um, I don't know what he calls it, but like that, like the coffin filler
0: almost. Yeah, that pink stuff. Yeah. yeah.
2: To like the I think of like frozen carbonite, almost like Han Solo style, like just like freezing him before he goes in. Uh, and then yeah, it's funny. In year four, he's like, "You left me there for four years." <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh
2: my god! And he's like, "Oh, sorry." <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that's um that's Grim Fandango. It's a fantastic game. There's there's so much amazing aesthetics in that. It's really ahead of its time. It, it it didn't it didn't sell well either though, which is is really? funny. No, because point and click adventure games really were starting to be on their way out in the late nineties, early two thousands. We're starting to get like more 3D type games, especially with the N64 and the GameCube coming up. And that's kind of what people were looking for is the action adventure genre, uh, rather than just the adventure, uh, like pure adventure genre, because there's no battles in this game. There's no fighting necessarily. No,
0: and that's why I liked it. I would will say like I had um, brothers and they really enjoyed like, you know, point shoot games. I was watching them play a lot of that. I really like this because even though there were scary parts, it was it seemed more like palatable. It was definitely like um, not as violent, even though we're talking about Grim Reapers. I never really clocked that like it was kind of like an aside for me because i was so young yeah but the visuals were so so good and i know we've said that a lot but like <laughs> it really like even just like the buildings the like you know aztec um integration of things the old timey like offices like
2: our, our deco, deco style stuff. yeah
0: <laughs> yeah and like it's just yeah the clothing's really cool the colors are really nice yeah it, it just is like a nice game to like look at and that's why i enjoyed kind of just clicking around because you know i was having fun just like looking at the scenery
2: absolutely because you can take your time in this game too
0: i'm not rushing at all i have hours on a sunday like i'm just gonna click around in circles
2: as a kid, like your time is unlimited, <laughs> so
0: <laughs> literally unlimited. I'm like, oh, I have all day to do this. Like one scene, so and it's not funny a problem
2: because the the game itself isn't that big. Like I, I I mentioned how it's it's four years and that's it. Like there's nothing else other than that, and other that like year two is by far the biggest year. There's there's most stuff going on. Uh, the, it's the town is huge to explore because there's a lot of different areas to go in, and there's a lot of backtracking. But after year two, the game goes along pretty at a pretty quick pace I get why they were making some of these puzzles as hard as they could too, just to elongate the game because that's kind of what you did back in the day it's almost like a leftover thing from arcades right is to just like elongate someone's playing time is to make it harder and that's what they did in Grim Fandango
0: and I I really like that it it feels like the payoff is really good when you do figure it out because it's such hard puzzles and it's like such a like some of the answers are so random that you just like feel so superior when you figure them out and <laughs> it, yeah like the flow isn't there like you know a game now like playing luigi's mansion or something like you yeah. kind of just know what to do It kind of brings you to the next scene um but with this yeah you just kind of like put yourself in it and yeah you're not in a rush you're not supposed i would say if you want to play this definitely you should um you shouldn't be in a rush though <laughs> definitely take your time and yeah try to try to figure everything out for sure
2: yeah yeah it's 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 a game for for patient people or people who want to be patient (laughs) exactly so so worth it (laughs) absolutely the payoff like you said is huge every time uh you solve anything and and yeah makes you feel great i definitely felt great finishing it with just a little bit of a guide but (laughs) anyways nicola this has been great to have you on is there anything else you want to mention about a grim fandango before we let you go
0: I guess I just want to reiterate again the story, too. I think that, you know, even if you did want to take sort of an easy way out and kind of get all the cheats for the puzzles and whatnot, I think the story itself is really interesting. And, I I mean, you were saying it didn't quite sell super well. I mean, I think it would make a great adaptation or, you know what yes. I mean? Or even, like, a second game. Like, I think the lore here is so rich yes. and there's so much more to be explored. So... Um, yeah, even if you you kind of yeah look up all the cheats to get through the puzzles and kind of go through it quickly, I think it's worth it to know kind of what happens.
2: Yeah, I mean uh, there is the Grim Fandango kind of cutscene movie that's on uh, YouTube. If, is uh, there? Yeah, yeah. You someone just should check that out. Put all the cutscenes together, and there's so many characters. The story is so rich, and like like almost like weirdly rich that there's so many so s- stuff. like because there's so much stuff. And there's so many small interactions that you have. Where you're like, wait, wait, like who's this? Like, I, I want to know more about them. Like, why, why are they important? Like, there's there's just random things. Like, cat races is a thing in the um uh, this the second year, never explained why cats are racing. Uh, but like just that's amazing. It's Just the thing, yeah. <laughs> that's just what people are betting on. Like, it's like what
0: just part <laughs> of the lore? Yeah. Oh my goodness. I people don't know about this game because it was such a core memory for me. Mm -hmm. So I'm very happy to talk about it again. And now it's getting me... I feel like I want to play it.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd be curious if you knew how to do some of the puzzles still.
0: Oh my goodness, I definitely do. I have it like ingrained in my memory. But like first part, like I could just, I could walk through it so easily.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I think I actually like had the hardest time with the first part. And then after oh, really? that, I, I, yeah. Well, just okay, because...
0: good. <laughs> I feel like I could get, I could actually finish the game then. I could do it. You,
2: you definitely could.
0: I definitely yeah would am into playing it again i feel like it would be a good time i am an advocate for a resurgence i want to see grim fandango um halloween costumes
2: Ooh, that'll be next year next year's it'll be Gr- grim fandango i'll go as manny you can go as ava if you want oh my
0: goodness that would be amazing
2: <laughs> all right nicola thanks again for coming on and uh we'll definitely have you on again real soon
0: thanks so much for having me talk bye. to you soon
2: bye what a nice young lady. Thank you so much, Nicola, for coming on today and talking about your experiences with Grim Fandango. It's uh, obviously an amazing game. We're going to be talking about it a lot, but it does have its issues. I have some issues with it. There's some puzzles that are really tough. I'd love to have Nicola's help, honestly, in the first world because I had a lot of trouble there, like I said. Um, and even in the fourth, uh, in year four, um, the Tumblr puzzle, if anyone out there knows that one, I... Hated that one. I was on that one for like an hour. I did not want to use a guide. And actually, I think I did end up looking at a guide. It still didn't help me because everyone's a little different. But yeah, that was a tough one. There's so many cool things that are in this game. The voice acting for one is amazing. I, I loved every second of it for sure. I uh, even spotted Spinelli's voice actor at one point uh, the, uh, doing the, the one of the two Angel little kids. That was very cool. Uh, all these voice actors have had lots of credits in many things uh, before as well. I'll be talking with uh, a, the next guest about a bunch of these things, but I did want to point out a couple more things in the story. So we were talking about year one uh, with Nicola, and then year two was in the casino town of Rubicavra. Uh, where we have the like, Calvera Cafe, we have the Feline Meadows, we also have the Blue Casket. That's where we meet a whole bunch of characters and all this kind of underbelly of of this underworld going on in Year 2. Uh, and we do eventually escape it. Basically, the whole puzzle in Year 2 is that Manny is trying to uh, get out of out of Rubicava and go on to this boat. And he has to basically get a union card so he can work there. He needs to work with a bunch of other people as well. And he needs to take out one of the ship hands, which he does. And somehow he gets on this boat and becomes the captain in a year, just like he became the owner of a casino in here too. And that's where he meets up with Domino, who was actually part of year one. He was working in the same office at the Department of Death with Manny. And Domino has his sinister plan and all that going on. Meche is now back in the picture. We get to see her, but she is captured by Domino. And uh, at the edge of the world here, we have to do some crazy puzzles to get out of this. uh, And we eventually make it to the gates to the ninth underworld. And that is basically where the game kind of goes into its final phase. I won't spoil the climactic ending, the betrayals, the the, the, the love interests, everything that's going on there, because, uh, want to keep it a little spoiler free for that part, but, uh, uh, of course, if you're listening to it, I hope that you've at least heard, or played, or seen some of Grim Fandango, but if you haven't, definitely, like Nicholas said, recommend checking it out, and, uh, checking out this amazing, amazing cast of characters and setting, but before... We end off this episode we still have another guest to come on today neil still not back from his trip to the ninth underworld so uh we'll have to bring on friend of the show dan and we're really excited to have dan back on the pod it has been a long time coming he was last on for the gamecube is cool podcast he has yet to be on for the unlocking what was cool portion of the podcast so my first question to you dan would be who is your favorite character in grim fandango
3: it's hard not to love Manny like mm-hmm. and to use him as the obvious choice but I love glottis oh of course the uh, the the big the big mechanic who is just ends up in mm. the most ridiculous scenarios and is just a sweetie <laughs> like it's hard not to love him it
2: is oh, yeah he he is the m- Probably one of the most likable characters in the whole, uh, whole game. He is obviously the the most unique looking character for sure. Uh, just uh, this massive orange uh, demon who is hilarious and is just loud to all the time, just kind of like screaming things. Uh, and yep. uh, and as we talked earlier too, when we were talking about uh, the kind of the plot, of the game, and everything, that yeah, he was put on the or he was put in the 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 land of the dead for one reason, one reason only, and that is to fix cars and fix other things and drive and he loves driving (laughs) there are so many so many great characters in this game we're going to go into all of them honestly Uh, all of most of them for sure because there's that's really where the game shines of course but uh i guess uh now's a good time to kind of talk about your memories and and when did you first stumble upon this game
3: so i think to start off i'd be remiss not mentioning just like how much i love tim schaefer games yes (laughs) because grim (laughs) fandango i only got into because as a kid i played like psychonauts and and some point and click adventure games and you know if if you're in that sphere at all like and even if you're not like tim schaefer is such like a an icon like a like a legend oh yes so just just by nature of I love this game. What other games has this person worked on? And you know, he's all over the genre. With you know, working on Curse of Monkey Island and yep. uh, a lot of games that are just so impactful for folks. Like <laughs> between, I, I'm I, I won't go too off uh, center, but uh, from what you've asked, but uh, yeah, Grim Fandango. I I played around high school, I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe it was college, but anywho played with a group of, of friends and we just sat down and we're like we're going to figure this out together cuz a lot of the 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 adventure games and point and click adventure games are are really fun for me at least to do in a group yeah. cuz you're bouncing ideas off of each other and and then when you get frustrated cuz you have no idea what to do you hand off like you know <laughs> the <laughs> controls so to speak and just yep. uh, and then you puzzle some more but uh yeah no i i really enjoyed uh, my time playing as a group uh, for this game.
2: Right, and so then you would have played that on, on Xbox, would it have been, at that time?
3: I think it was. I mm-hmm. think it was a console port.
2: Yeah, yeah, because obviously this is a PC game, kind of through and through, and for me playing it this week on the Switch, that was a big thing that I wish I had, was a mouse <laughs> to mm. just <laughs> be able to click on things. Uh, that That is definitely lacking on the console version. Uh, it, it doesn't completely hinder it, but that's something I'm like, oh, I just... I just wish I had most to like to to just click on this thing that's far away and get to it. Like, it, I mean, it's definitely that that kind of older game design too that is literally meant to be played only on a PC. Like Tim Schafer and Co never wanted this or never expected this to be played anywhere else, right? So mm. it's very much designed uh, for the PC. And you're absolutely right. Playing this game with a group would have been would have been really fun. Like that. How was that?
3: Yeah, I mean, just the just being able to, like I said, just being able to converse with your friends of like, oh, like this, like obviously there's there's puzzles in the game that you need to solve and, and figure out and there's a whole myriad of, of items you pick up and trying to, you know, solve little scenarios with, with interacting these items with the world around you. Mm-hmm. And so it's a lot of theory crafting, a lot of could this work? Oh God, if this works. And then then sometimes you're rewarded with like a little extra bit of dialogue or uh, some, some charming interaction, even if it's not like the solution, like you still like kind of get rewarded in some scenarios. That is one thing. I'm
2: glad you mentioned that with like the, the voicing uh, in this game. And because there is so many lines of dialogue, like they even have it on the back (laughs) of the box saying that there's like 7,000 lines of dialogue or something. That's such a, a cool thing when you do something that isn't what you necessarily need to do for the puzzle, but you get like a line of dialogue from Manny that
3: is mm. unique
2: in that situation that you'll never hear again, which I love.
3: I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it just it makes you feel seen as a player. Yes. Where like you 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 come up with something, you're like, there's no way this works, but like there's a there like you know you think about it. I think this is funny, and you try <laughs> it, and then the the game that devs almost say to you, "We see you. We also think it's funny, <laughs> but it's something else." <laughs>
2: the, the, and I, I honestly can't even can't think of games today that do that as well as Grim Fandango. Like mm. I I was I was honestly shocked at the amount of times that I felt seen. Like as you said, like I I, I was ready for the same five lines of dialogue that would come up anytime mm-hmm. I used any kind of item, right? But like, it, it was... You'd throw
3: your computer at the window, though. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like, you know, if it's just like, can't do that, can't, can't do, do that, that but can't <laughs> ye. Yeah.
2: That's what games were like, though in the 90s like you know you think of some a lot of these especially platformers or like uh these games that when they started slowly going into 3D from 2D adventure games as well like uh they spent a lot of their time on just making things 3D and then the voice acting definitely suffered because of that mm. and the not not even just the voice acting but just yeah the amount of dialogue was just not as rewarding as something like Rim Fandango and yeah even even today like the amount of dialogue playing playing something like Hogwarts Legacy, which has a ton of dialogue in it, Mm. but it doesn't make you really feel seen. It it makes it feel like a lot. This is all just pre-rendered and my choices don't really matter, you know?
3: That's always frustrating. (laughs) It's just like, is it this or this? It doesn't matter. (laughs) You know, you're going the same place.
2: Exactly. I'm just like, oh, man, like, you know, I think Grim Fandango does a fantastic job of that. But have you played it since then, since I guess probably like 2010, 2011 era?
3: No, I I can't say I've played it again, but it like it, it's something where it'd be like um, if someone in my friend group was like, "Oh, like I wanna I wanna sit down and play with it," I would be like, "I'm there." <laughs> I, <laughs> I I would love to share this experience with you. And just because like the, the, this game, like the writing is so good, yes. like the the characters and their motives are like all fleshed out, and you really really um, end up being in, endeared to these characters. Uh, and their and their struggles. And so like, it's it's just a space I'd love to jump back in again.
2: Endeared is a great word for it. Because even though these some of these characters are like barely in the game, like you see them for just like a, a scene or two. But I remember, I mean, I just played the game. So, but like, like they stick out to me so much. And, you know, when I go back uh, in year four to Rubikava and I see uh, a lot of these characters again, and I'm also looking for characters too. Like when I went back, I uh, immediately looked for the bees, the worker bees, mm. uh, because they were one of my favorite characters. Uh, and same with the, I don't know what you call them, but like the hepcats at the uh, the jazz club at the the blue casket. The mm. ones who are uh, are kind of uh, scolding Manny for being for working for the man, uh, <laughs> and they do their little. Uh, the little snaps uh, for for the poems, and then little boo Manny when he goes up to the microphone. Like that's another great one of like being seen, right? Is like mm. doing your poems at the Blue Casket. The characters in that sense too. So like I mentioned a few of them. You mentioned Gladys, of course, Meche, who you are trying to save. Mercedes, uh, she is kind of the, the the damsel in distress almost of this of this game. We have Lola as well. We have Hector Lamonts, who is the the big bad, and we have Domino. Everyone hates Domino.
3: When you think about. You know how many characters are in play, how much, how many different motivations are at play. Um, it's, it just, it just reminds me of just how good Tim Schafer and his team and the people he puts himself are, like around him. Yeah, how good they are at writing stories and narratives and characters, and like you find that that DNA on like every game they touch.
2: Oh, they're so good at it. Like it's such a, it's such an art and it's the one thing that I've I've tried really hard this week to kind of take myself out of the fact that I'm playing this game in 2023. You know, it's just like, Mm. it's like, I have to remember this is a 1998 game, really a 1996 game is when most of this was created. Mm.
0: Uh,
2: And so, you know, almost 30 years old at this point. Uh, But the, and, and there's a lot of things that definitely are hard to go, hard to play as a gamer from this era basically now, but it's the story and the characters and the writing that holds up better than i'd say almost any modern game today
3: i mean even so graphically you have like that era was like 3d is in everyone's pushing 3d yeah no one really knows what they're doing with with (laughs) polygons like a (laughs) polygon right everything looks a hot mess but like when they when they choose to do an art style that is so like evocative that that really speaks for itself. Yes. But they they found a way to play to their strengths. Like instead of having like these these weird blocky textured spaces, they're like, "No, let's like design these these beautiful like flat. It's almost like the the 3D characters are entering like a 2D space, but like they're able to add their artistic uh fingerprint onto everything and it, it just it looks good. Even like when you compare it to like other games of that era, it's just like night and day in my opinion
2: you're i 100 percent agree with you on that one uh, and the remaster does do it a lot of justice to it helps a lot mm. it, it adds all the shadows it, it it makes it much easier to play in present like in modern day basically uh and i think they did a good job with the graphics of that and i honestly have never had a problem with the graphics in this game i think I think they're fine for what they are and they do the job well. And because they're all, like you were saying, such unique character designs, your your mind isn't thinking of like, oh, wow, like I see all these polygons. there, Like I see like this is like blocky and stuff. You're not thinking of that. You're thinking like, wow, all these, this is a weird design, like the glottis, like this massive orange. <laughs> like political mess but he, you don't even think of that you just think of him as this just beautiful funny character because he's just mm. so unique uh and i think yeah like you said the play to those strengths for sure they they did that too with um with other games like tim Schafer with psychonauts as well like like place so that their strengths in that sense mm. the one thing that i love and i'm sure you love too dan about this game is the aesthetic of it and it's that day of the dead Uh, Aesthetic. What what was your kind of first feeling when you saw that, and you were like enveloped in this world?
3: Yeah. So like, obviously, the imagery, the imagery uh, drew me in. Uh, It's like you know, very. It's just like, what is going on here? You know, you have (laughs) a like. It's almost like eclectic. The 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 neo noir and the and the Day of the Dead stuff. Mm -hmm. But they and and this is another thing I love about you know double fine games and and Tim Schafer games, where it's just you take these two random ideas completely separate you put them together and they find ways that like that you connect both ideas Mm -hmm. where it's just like all right you know there's it's a it's a it's a noir office and what are they doing oh well they're selling travel packages for people to cross the land of the dead for their four you know uh year journey or 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 whatever four day journey and um it's just like oh and then once once that connections made now a lot more other things like they must extrapolate from that and it it just creates this really coherent space mm-hmm. like like the ideas that they have are so good that it just kind of almost like makes other things make sense oh well, if that's if that's true if if they if they do this then this is also true and it it just makes the world feel coherent and the story that they've decided to tell within that context, like it all, all of it, kind of lends and supports the whole of it. If that makes sense,
2: it does. Yeah, lends and supports is definitely the the words to use there. Absolutely. And like you talked about that, like also like the cohesion of this game. Like it does feel like Neil and I talk about this a lot, but like we we always find the best games, best media, best whatever, always feel like one person did the entire thing. And one person's vision pushed this through, and and it just feels like a cohesive uh, piece of media. And I think Grim Fantango is that, absolutely. And Tim Schaefer obviously has his fingerprints all over this game, but I gotta give credit to the artwork of Peter Chan, who worked on this game. (laughs) Yes.
3: (laughs) (laughs) When you see Peter Chan art, it's always just like, oh my God, what's, what, 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 you know, how, how does he even be so consistent in making cool concept work?
2: It's unbelievable, this concept work. Like, on, I have the remastered version on the Switch. I was playing it, and it has some special features, and some of those special features are the concept art by Peter Chan. And I'm looking at all these concept arts i'm like oh my god these are just done these are just like this isn't like concepts this is just like a done storyboard mm. they're they're crazy the, the amount of detail in them there's they're beautiful i'd love to have one of these in my house like mm. like frame this it's it's unbelievably gorgeous the shadows that he has in them too like a, a, a brilliant artist and tim Schafer had the ideas of what this game was kind of going to be especially with the day of the dead stuff but peter shan brought in a lot of the neo-noir type uh into the with the art and that led and that supported Tim Schaefer's kind of overall vision of this being like yeah like this does work really well as a like this almost like neo-noir hard-boiled detective st- style story and I thought that was just so cool that like the, it was the artwork that propelled that
3: mm. I, I'll speak to I guess double fine yeah Um. but the cool thing about that is they intentionally surround themselves with like a team of creatives and they they allow everyone the opportunity to speak into the game. Yes. Um, I've watched, um, there's, there's a a documentary that they've put out uh, over their creation of Psychonauts 2 and having to design a game through the pandemic and, and all the problems arise in the office and how they, they, they handle it and how, how, you know, their creative process works. And it's just, it was really cool to see like this vulnerable documentary of how, operations their work and how they try to solve problems yeah totally recommend seeing that but it's, it's just really it's really cool how they they their their process allows people to be like oh like what do you think of this idea and then they'll be like oh someone will mention something offhanded but and they're like you know they they work on like a more numbers kind of side of of things but th- that idea is so good and so they incorporate it and make it work it's it's really cool that they have like this team approach
2: i love that and the fact that they're able to use that team approach and keep these games cohesive is such a huge boon because like I, I've, I've played games by committee before you mm-hmm. know and it's they're not great often because there's a lot of compromises that happen and you end up getting a game that could have been a lot better but a lot of stuff was scaled back or, or things change based on that but these games and, and I, I I also really want to see that documentary because I'm sure It'd be really cool to actually watch the process of Double Fine, and and you mentioned Double Fine, Dan. For those who don't know, that is the production company, Tim Schafer's production company, who made um, all these games that we've been talking about. They worked with, uh, I guess they were technically a second party with Lucas Arts.
3: Well, they they worked like Tim Schafer and a lot of people worked at Lucas Arts, right? And then and then they made their Tim, own. Thing. Tim was like, I want to make my you know my own company and and uh, live and buy, die by my own decisions, and so. Then created and cultivated his own company.
2: Right, which is Double Fine. Yeah, exactly. Double Fine had a huge hand. Well, obviously, they had to be the ones who to try and bring uh, bring this game over onto modern day consoles because this was, of course, behind the Disney wall uh, of things mm-hmm. when Disney bought LucasArts. And uh, and I, this game honestly could have gone into obscurity and just be never being able to be played again. So, uh big props to Double Fine and Tim Schafer for basically just taking it from Disney, basically buying it out and and moving it to to consoles. And huge props to, to Sony too. Sony actually kind of fronted the money for them to get this uh this game out from uh Disney. So, uh mm. without uh without those guys, we would I wouldn't be able to play Grim Fandango. So, mm. <laughs> it's uh big props on them there, but We talked already a little bit about it, but we do have to talk about the voice acting in this game. It's fantastic. The lines are amazing. And uh, we just got to talk about uh, Manny, who is uh, amazingly voice acted by Tony Plana. Fantastic voice actor and actor. He is great. He is so good as Manny. He is uh, Cuban American, but he, I believe, he also has Mexican family. His mom's Mexican or something. So he is very much into the culture of it and everything. And I loved it. I loved the authentic- authenticity of it, especially in, a, in an era where people people weren't playing the roles that they basically probably should have been where you know mm. uh where uh where there was like pretty stereotypical accents and like things that we would look back today and be like wow that's pretty that's pretty cringe but right. but this is a scarlett game... johansson
3: as manny Ex- yeah yeah
2: <laughs> exactly but yeah this this is a game that holds up so well with the accents and the voice acting and everything. I-, I love Tony's all all his slang that he brings to the table. Mm. And I was looking up a lot of it, my girlfriend's actually learning Spanish, and so I would be saying, I'm like, what does this mean? She's like, I don't know. And then i look it up, and it's a lot of s- Mexican-specific slang, which is really cool. Most of it is just kind of different words for friend. <laughs> right. <laughs> or <just> Like, like <laughs> carnal is something he'll say a lot at the end of sentences, uh, to hmm. refer to someone as a friend. That's a Mexican uh, slang for amigo, basically. But uh, but yeah, what were, what were your thoughts on, on that whole aesthetic?
3: I mean, usually you want to be very, like, I don't want to say on edge when 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 someone you know creates something involving another person's culture, but it is so evident how much they cared about it and wanted to use it and honor it. handled it respectfully, yes. like they, like you know they 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 had this this image and this idea and the story they wanted to tell and they they wanted to do their due diligence and research to make sure that they handled it respectfully and authentically and i think and i mean I, it's yeah you know, i like i'm not i'm not mexican i i have no idea maybe you know there might be something that's like oh this is like you know not of this or whatever but like it's it's clear that they cared Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah yeah i just i think it's a, a beautiful sewing together of of different ideas and concepts in a way that is, it has its own like character that's you don't see it anywhere else.
2: Hundred percent agree. And are, are there any scenes or levels or just just moments from this game that really stand out to you? That when someone says Grim Fandango, you immediately think of this one moment. You're like, oh yeah, that's like one of my favorite
3: parts. Not so much a story moment per se, but just how the character like. When I think of Grim Fandango, I think of the character to character moments and just things like how the dialogue feels so effortless. Yeah. Like sometimes you you see and read and hear dialogue and it's just like, all right, I'm gonna say my part. Now you say something. Yes. You know, <laughs> you, you know? <laughs> Whereas in, in this, it always feels alive. It feels it feels like it there's two there's two people talking and you can you can see and feel the tension between them and i i just think fondly of the characters i like i think i think that is what i think of when i think of grim fandango and then the other thing being just like the imagery like what like when they someone shoots someone it's like a it's like a flower bullet yeah and then like and they start to what do they kind of they call it like sprouting, sprouting. yes yeah. and it's just like i when i think of that game i think of all those little niche ideas for, like, oh, what is killing someone in the Land of the Dead look like? Yeah. The minutiae that they cared to, like, what would this look like in this space? And then they they figured out an idea that that ties all these different ideas together and support it. And I think, I think that's what I always think of when I think of these games.
2: It's incredibly detailed in that sense, right? Like, the, the amount of work that they did to create this universe and create rules for this mm. universe, right? Like, that's you know, they're not trying to start a franchise here necessarily, right? They're just, they're just trying to create this like cohesive one game, but the, the world itself is, is very, uh, like, yeah, the minutia of it. Like, like you said, like there's, there's so many little details going on and the consistency is there. Like there's, there's a lot of work, a lot of detail to just make sure that, that this world has this character to it. And that, you know, that it's like, it's almost like a science fiction uh, game in that sense, right? Where it's like, like, you know, like how Star Wars has like these rules of like the forest and these rules with lightsabers that Disney seems to keep breaking. Mm. <laughs> like Where like Grim Fandango is like, they do such a good job of like, this is how this world works. Mm. Like understand this. Like even when they're in the water, I thought that was so funny with uh, <laughs> how that Manny and um, and everyone can just kind of walk through. It's like, yeah, they're, they're bones. They just sink. <laughs> they don't float. And they mentioned that a couple times in the... Um, in the game. Even there's that point where Manny's trying to free Meche and he's like, Oh yeah, we'll just like put the water level high up in the safe and then we can f- get free. Well, uh, and Meche is like, well, no, we're bones, Manny, we sink. And, <laughs> and you know that uh from earlier being down in the ship with the this little light of mine guy mm-hmm. <laughs> walking around. You're like, yeah, you can just walk around here. So like, I love stuff like that, the, the consistency of it, but.
3: um It honestly, like, <sighs> You, if you don't have that consistency in like your world in the space you're trying to tell a story, like you undermine a lot of the the believability yep. of of the the stories that you're trying to tell, or at least yeah. the investment f- from myself. You see it in like you know other franchises where they're like, oh, this wasn't consistent, and they're just like, oh well, oh well, now I can't stop thinking about why this is wrong. <laughs> like you know, like I'm exactly. I'm like almost like instantly like yanked out of whatever, you know. <laughs> state I am like consuming this media and you know
2: no a hundred percent and that's why I think it's so impressive that these guys were able to do this in 1998 with the technology they had and the time they had like they 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 put out this masterpiece in in so many different ways um and like they just there's so many moments throughout that that I I felt that and I was just like wow this is so cool even like the, with the characters like the way that the characters talk and and also I love that they they don't dumb it down for you mm. Is, is one thing I love about Grim Fandango. Mm. Like you can play this as a kid. Uh, it's It's kind of... Uh, our friend Nicola who was on earlier played as a kid it's like oh that's this is a bit of a older adult game for sure but you could still play it as a kid like there's a whole bunch of little references that I was picking up throughout it Uh, a lot of movie references of course a lot of references to like 40s and 50s movies Mm. uh, that they'll say sometimes which is very cool in that kind of art deco era
3: Casablanca (laughs)
2: yes yeah very Casablanca Maltese Falcon you know those neo-noirs even like something like a little one that that I loved was um the beatniks and the uh, blue casket and all the things that they would be, t- be talking about because as we know each character and each kind of group of characters has tons of li- lines of dialogue mm. that you have to get through and they have so many funny ones about socialism and like communism and like very detailed stuff like about Karl Marx and uh <laughs> and also t- talking calling Manny one of the nouveau riche which is like a <laughs> term that you would never hear in a video game mm. Ever. Right. Like, <laughs> and like, you know, th- then they, you, they have all, all the words, but they're not doing anything about it uh, because they're actually just like these like high paying or like the, uh, what is many call them? Trust fund babies. Mm. Uh, and then meanwhile, there's like the worker bees who are the ones who are actually working, but they don't know the words. They're, like, we need to control the means of of. of
3: production <laughs> <laughs> and,
2: and that's such a small little thing of this game it's like one percent of this game but like the the care and love and the amount of work that was put into just that interaction is unbelievable mm. <laughs> and it just I, I love that so much but uh we could we could talk about this game forever obviously but is there anything that you would change in this game, and and you, you can look at it at two angles if you would like. If you if you're looking at it from a 1998 angle, if there's anything you could change, or quality of life improvements for a future remake remaster, if there's anything you'd change.
3: I mean, point and click adventure games have their. I mean, it's it's kind of like the mixed bag you accept when you choose to play a point and click adventure game. Yes. Uh, exactly. <laughs> but um, <laughs> if I were to change anything it's probably going to come off as like a non answer but the thing i i wish i could change about it is that more people have played it or seen it because <laughs> yeah. like no, no. this That's, this yeah. game and and like honestly anything that 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 team and 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 these creatives have like touched um it just they have they have done so much for my my soul and my experience on this earth that i can't like ever repay (laughs) you know like and i wish i wish more people have a chance to like interact and enjoy these games because like you know it's it's a small niche experience like you know you you think i play video games i play call of duty and i play halo and it's just like those are great but like not that how many people in a room will be like i played day of the tentacle and (laughs) grim fandango and (laughs) and like you know i just i I really i really wish that these games get an opportunity to to reach more people and that's why i'm super glad that they had a remastered get through the (laughs) the pipeline you know so more people can have that chance too
2: again just so happy that this remaster even exists it has its problems but i think they did a great job of just getting it out Mm. of uh of disney's hands so that we can play and i could play it which was amazing and you're right uh, not a lot of people have actually gotten to play this game. It was of course uh it did receive huge praise for uh its art style, its its direction, its writing, everything that we've already talked about here. It was uh it was on uh, it's on tons of lists all the time. It's always on greatest video games list of all time. I'm sure uh, later on to uh, today when I read the 1001 video games, it's going to be there too. But it was a commercial failure and a huge com- commercial failure at that. So much so that uh, Lucas starts to decide to end adventure game development because of this and there was also the de- the decline of the adventure game genre going on at this time we have of course seen a bit of a resurgence in the uh adventure game world with uh, the telltale games like batman thank you kickstarter Dead. right <laughs> yeah, <laughs> honestly, yeah. like the
3: fact i think i think when when they did the kickstarter for broken age where mm. it was just like hey here's an adventure game uh are you guys gonna like it or like psychonauts 2 and they did that uh, crowdfunding they put it out there and everyone who's like we freaking love sierra games and adventure games and point and click games like it was able to bring all like the 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 sparse people that are into this niche form of video game that brought them together and were able to like raise so much money for the development of those games and so like kickstarter really has uh, allowed An avenue for these games to exist again because like you're saying like commercially they don't do well because it's just like it's a if you know you know like just the gold that's here um but it might not sell to like the average person who wants like oh i want like a quick fix i don't want to you know think too hard on on this because like you know their nine to five is getting them down or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah i just i'm so glad that there's a resurgence in these games because uh i i eat them up
2: Oh it's, it's really nice to see because yeah it wasn't looking great for them in in the the late 90s early 2000s there but uh yeah it's i I think we'll, we'll still see these adventure games and because of crowdfunding and really just because of the indie game space mm. that exists today like that's the biggest thing it didn't exist back then it was you had to rely on these massive publishers to get your game out so i think we'll be seeing some some cool ones in the future two last two questions we'll start with this one because we haven't talked about it yet. And how could we not talk about it? It's maybe the best thing of this entire game. Music? It's, of course, the music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what a soundtrack. So this, this is the one thing I actually knew about Grim Fandango beforehand. So I knew Grim Fandango's soundtrack. I came across it on YouTube one time. I was listening to some... Uh, some other, I guess, video game soundtracks. I love listening to Donkey Kong Country soundtracks because I love mm-hmm. Donkey Kong Country music, obviously, like everyone does. And uh, Zelda uh, music. So uh, this kind of came up on my recommended. I-, I knew of Grim Fandango, of course, uh, playing it with you back in the day. Uh, and I was like, oh, like, I remember the music being pretty cool, but like, I don't really remember anything about it. Like, let's uh, let's check it out. And the remastered one is the one I listened to. And the, the original one is great too, but hearing it with the full orchestra mm. is unbelievable. Like what a soundtrack.
3: With adventure games, you're you're gonna be stuck in an area for an, <laughs> an <laughs> undisclosable <laughs> amount of time, you know? Yep. You're gonna you're gonna uh, you're gonna get frustrated. You're gonna be stuck in an area. And if if that music is repetitive, like your computer's <laughs> going out the window, you know? Uh, so, there's it, it, almost like an extra care put in to make sure that these adventure games, these puzzly point-and-click games, uh, have astounding soundtracks, you know? And that that's yes. like, you know, Monkey Island, this game, like, any any of those point-and-click adventure games that, you know, Schaefer and Gang worked on, uh, they, they always partner with amazing... Uh, musical talent and I, I mean lucas arts had has that amazing uh recording studio and, and musicians to work with
2: skywalker sound that they're using,
3: exactly right? and yeah. then that kind of continues with the the games being made now
2: there's like so peter mcconnell uh peter mcconnell, McConnell. is yes is the uh he's a composer for the grim fandango soundtrack he's also done many other games he has composed every soundtrack uh for every sly cooper game another uh, game
3: i love the music for
2: right there you go it's almost like he's a really good composer <laughs> as, as a kid
3: i remember trying to record my game sound so i could get a um a ringtone a ringtone of the like 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 the the him walking on a tightrope sound because i was just like this the sound design and the music's so good
2: oh my god that's amazing <laughs> but yeah the the music in this game Fantastic, unbelievable. the The way to describe this music is tricky because it has a lot of different genres and it's melding a lot of different uh, cultures as well together in it. And I I love it for that. I'd say the way I would describe it probably would be kind of big band mixed with a, a bit of like Mexican slash Aztec kind of music as well. Would be the way that
3: that I would describe it. How about you, Dan? How would you describe this? I mean a miracle like like you you take these 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 like contrasting like like image and sound like totally different kind of spaces and they're like all right mr mcconnell (laughs) like we're we're putting these ideas together can you make music that also takes those ideas and and brings them and melds them together in a way that makes sense (laughs) like that like that what a what a tall order you know but uh they're able to take those those influences and make it feel seamless so to speak
2: yeah which is a, a huge feat. like I can't believe that they were able to do this. and the, 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 the only thing I could think of that was relatable to uh, a challenge like this was uh, the music of Firefly, the TV show.
3: Mm. Uh,
2: and I remember watching the special features some like a little documentary at talking about the music for it. And the composer was talking about how he had the challenge of of taking this idea of like an old West. Kind of style music is because it is kind of like a mm-hmm. western in a lot of ways, uh, but mixed with uh, kind of eastern Chinese music with all, with those different kind of in- instruments in there too, mm-hmm. and it's very similar to this where you have this big band, you have your 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 trumpets, you have your brass, like you have your your big drums going as well, but you also have pan flutes. Mm. Some slide guitar too, uh a big emphasis on bass as well in some of them, like a lot of walking bass for the the jazz parts, but uh mm. there's so many parts that I I really love with the music. Like one of my favorites is near the end of the game when you're you're going uh you're trying to get to the 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 end of it at the uh the ninth underworld, um, and you're in the clouds and everything. Almost like seems like you're like representing like like heaven or like the gates to heaven kind mm. of thing and the the pan flute music that plays there just instantly reminded me of being in chile in the atacama desert and mm. at that the same kind of music is what i heard when i was there i was like yeah yeah this this does give me that same feeling like uh, that's pretty cool i think that is when music like that in a in a 25 year old game uh can bring out that
3: same emotion yeah. And I mean like I don't think young Daniel had that experience, you know, remembering his time in Chile. <laughs> 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 but, but like but like, you know, like that's the cool thing about this game. There's like so much there's so much in it that goes into it. Yeah. Almost everyone can say that they their takeaways are a little bit different, you know? Yes. Because there's there's so much culture and and musical understanding and like storytelling and characters and motivations that like there's so much to grapple with that like your experience is gonna take away different things and i and i I love that these games are so packed with ideas that and uh I don't know where the sentence is going <laughs> my brain is stopping like slowly but okay. you know it's I don't know I just love this game and there's there's so much to love about this game and I, I honestly think I, I I I would love for even if just like one person listening to this podcast is just like I've never played it but I'd like to like I'd love to, to hear about that and, and yes. your experience with it
2: Uh, I think I think what you're trying to get in that sentence is the fact that this game feels like it was made for uh, like an individual person, like what I'm playing this game, like what I'm booting it up, it feels like it was made just for me. Mm. And that's a really cool experience that I can't say modern games really do well uh, nowadays. But uh, that leads me into my final question, which is wanting to ask you, what games would you recommend if someone has played Grim Fandango? Before and loved it uh, or hated it, but uh, but hopefully mm. loved it. Uh, what what games would you recommend? I want to hear one older one and one new one.
3: Okay, I've got to narrow it down to one.
2: Okay, yep. Um. <laughs> or else we'll be here for a while. <laughs> yeah, that's fair.
3: I think it's it's almost like there's franchises that span both old games and new games, and usually they're they're all consistent on all fronts. So for example, like. If you if you enjoyed Grim Fandango, you might enjoy Sierra games like A King's Quest. And like, if you can if you can stomach you know the older art styles and the point and click, where sometimes it's just like, what am I? What exactly am I looking at? <laughs> like, you, you know what I mean? Uh, you did it in
2: Grim Fandango already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like
3: like the the old King's Quests and the new King's Quests are are absolutely fantastic um yes. like I, I I love them dearly um if you like the Tim Schafer writing characters story like all of that stuff um Psychonauts 1 an older platforming game uh such adventure game Psychonauts 2 uh bringing that idea into a modern context after they were uh uh, it, it purchased by microsoft they were able to like, mm-hmm. get it on game pass and get that game made which is beautiful and then the monkey islands the monkey islands are also like that same charm yes and, and they have older ones and newer ones too yeah the, the charm is what is really what you're looking for
2: i think like at least for me Uh, wanting to play a a game after Grim Fandango is because of the the amount of charm and detail love put into this, I would Mm. love to play another game like that. I think for me, I would like to check out Monkey Island. I've never played them. I, I know the series, obviously, but it's just one of those things that... I didn't grow up playing those kind of games that much, um, and uh, I would rather play Mario Kart Double Dash, because, I mean, who wouldn't? (laughs) But uh, I would love to go back and and play those after I've now finished and completed uh, Grim Fandango, and hopefully one day we'll be able to see the Psychonauts 2 kind of style put onto Grim Fandango, uh, because that would be amazing in terms of bringing something to modern-gen and modern consoles as a brand new game would be so nice. Whether it's a sequel, whether it's a remake because Grim Fandango is begging for (laughs) some more content because it just, there's just so much there. There's, there's the, the base is so rich already. There's, there's so much you can do for with it, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what the future holds. Mm. Dan, it's been great having you on today. We really appreciate you taking the time to talk about some Grim Fandango. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we let you go?
3: I'm nah, just uh, glad that you 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 decided to to click in and and kind of share in something that s- uh, some of us are all passionate about, and uh, yeah, en- enjoy enjoy exploring. Enjoy exploring. Uh, you'll you'll get
2: you'll get angry sometimes. I know that scythe animation takes like ten <laughs> seconds, and that was killing me. But you know, just power through it. That item inventory. Give me an item wheel, just Tim Tim, if you're listening, if you're gonna do it again if you're gonna do uh another remaster of grim fandango give me an item wheel i i i i, I just want that everything else is fine <laughs> dan thanks again and uh we'll see you uh very soon i'm sure
3: absolutely
2: what a nice sung man uh there's no neil to
1: oh no mike i'm back i am here (gasps) what a nice young man that was
2: (laughs) oh he's here he came back from the ninth underworld wow well thank you dan for coming on filling in neil's shoes there and uh gracias amigo uh, gracias amigo for seeing some great uh great stuff about grim fandango love dan's uh vision of of what he would love to see for adventure games in the future as well and uh uh, it was really cool to, to today to have both Nicola and Dan on who had different perspectives, of course, you know, uh, Nikola played it as a kid. Dan's played it many times since. and um and th- this game definitely has its issues, but there's so much to its core that's so much fun. and I think we really brought that out today. I, I hope so at least, but uh, but Neil, we have you back now and uh perfect timing, honestly, but I do have to ask you, how was the ninth underworld?
1: The Ninth Underworld was uh it was it was it was warm, a little too hot for me. I I'm used mm. to the Canadian weather, the chill I like the seasons, Mike, and I couldn't stand the constant fire and death and uh you know, everyone's just a little bit too pale, a little too skinny. I need, I like to see you know everyone's just you know there's no good restaurants either, so I, I had to get out of there. Yeah. Uh so I came back, I told them I'd be back in maybe uh fifty to sixty years and uh they can they can take me right back to the ninth world and I'll happily go go and hang out for a little while maybe finally play grim fandango and see what everyone's been talking about for all these years (laughs) i do feel bad that i don't like it but there are several types of games out there that uh, come out and just don't hit and uh, i'm sure everyone out there has those games that they wish that they would like but just can't get into it's the same for music and movies and tv shows so uh, i really appreciated you taking the reins on today's episode and uh, thank you so much for dan and nicola coming on really sad that i missed them because it's been a while since i talked to uh uh, I think we've talked to Nicola recently, but it's been a while since we've talked to Dan on this show. But uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure I'll see him again in person real soon. But Mike, I think that it's time that we move on to our closing segments. But first, why don't we hit the back of the case of Grim Fandango? Oh, you found a copy in the Ninth Underworld? I did. They did have one in their uh, their EB Games in the Ninth Underworld. They have. Uh, I asked for PC gaming, and they did have one Sick. box behind the counter with uh, ten discs in it. If you can believe it. Amazing. Let's hear it. All right. But first, Victor, hit us with that sweet jingle. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. Something's wrong in the land of the dead, and you're being played for a sucker Meet Manny Calavera, travel agent at the Department of Death sells luxury packages to souls on their four-year journey to eternal rest but there's trouble in paradise help manny untangle himself for a conspiracy that threatens his very salvation i like how they called it a four-year journey to the eternal rest kind of sounds like almost like a high school career
2: <laughs> yeah right i mean i mean in a way in a way uh I I gotta say I first of all I love the aesthetic of, of this game as I've mentioned many times before but I do want to talk about the box art for this and th- there are two different box arts there there is of course the one that we got in 1998 which is pretty good uh, it's you know it shows Manny he's uh, he's got his uh, about to to bring out his scythe. Uh, And it's got some of the characters behind him, and it shows uh, the little tagline of an epic tale of crime and corruption in the land of the dead, which is exactly what Grim Fandango is. And the Grim Fandango Remastered version is, I think, even cooler. In my opinion, it's got uh, Manny this time in full Grim Reaper gear, which mm-hmm. is really cool to see. We have an old kind of uh, Art Deco 40s futurism, yep. neo-futurism train in the back. Uh, the the sepia tones are perfect for what it's conveying as well. Uh, we have uh, other characters in there. We have Grim Fandango in a, just a slightly nicer font in that very kind of. I don't even know what to call it, but like that newsreel style of mm-hmm. Grim Fandango remastered. You know, uh, <laughs> showing up—it's just perfect. So I think they did an excellent job with the the artwork for the remaster.
1: Yeah, I love the remastered artwork and that sepia tone. Uh, the um, Art Deco, like you said, I love the I love the futuristic uh, theme of like. It's really a 40s and 50s and maybe 60s thing. But it's kind of funny how, like, even, like, when you think of the future now, you still think of the same things that they were thinking of back then. Like, there's nothing really new. Like, you're still thinking of flying cars, really clean, no crime, no war. Like, it's just world peace. Everyone's good. There's, like, unlimited food. Everyone's got the same ideals in terms of, like, an alternate history future kind of thing. But Yeah. Um, it reminds me a lot of, like, Mask of the Phantasm kind of uh, kind of artwork, actually. Yes. With the, I love the Grim Fandango uh, font there, too. Kind of reminds me of, like, the Indiana Jones with the yellow and orange. Really good stuff. Um, but, yeah, the uh, box art on PC games is kind of a bit of a lost art these days, since most of those games just kind of are thumbnails for the most <laughs> part. But... Yeah. Uh, something that is not lost to time Mike are reviews and uh, game reviews for uh, Grim Fandango go all the way back to the 90s but we do have one as recent as 2021 and uh, this user here on Metacritic who goes by the name of DinoBeam gave the game a 2 and I thought I'd maybe review it here and let you maybe defend Grim Fandango from this uh, attack of a 2 review it's time to review that review The puzzles are way too random, illogical, convoluted. At first, I was really digging the art style, writing, and atmosphere. Then I got really stuck after trying everything I could think of. I looked up what to do online, and it was just random, ridiculous stuff. There were no clues for. There was no aha moment. So this user, DinoBeamMike, was missing that aha moment that I guess you, Dan, and Nicola experienced when you were playing this game. Mm, I mean,
2: some of those comments are fair. I will say giving it Mm. a 2 is just ridiculous because, like... If you like some of it, don't give it a two. <laughs> like, like, give it at least a five or a six at that point. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but uh, I, like, the puzzles, as I talked about, some of them are a bit archaic, especially the way to to find stuff, especially when you're playing on a console. I gotta, I've gotta really nail that point home, as I've said already. The fact that. Like the point and click just makes it so much easier when you actually have a mouse to click on things to find mm-hmm. hidden items. When you don't have that, when you're playing on the console version, you're just thinking differently. And, and also, it, it is like you know, I've said it, it. It's a bit hard to go back to sometimes if you're thinking only in like a future or like in a like a new game mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, the like if if you like the aesthetic of this, if you like the writing, if you like the atmosphere, if you like these games going to love it right like that's that's the mm-hmm. end of it like you you're, you're going to get stuck at times for sure but you're still going to really really love this game and see where it goes if you don't like these games like you neil you're not going to like it but that's fine right mm-hmm. and and someone like you would never give this a two because these are these the style game isn't for you anyways so you're not going to give it a two you'll be like oh, i'll give it a a six maybe like mm-hmm. i i i love everything about it but it's just it's not a game for me
1: I think a lot of it goes back to what I said earlier, how the genre of adventure game has been so diluted that, like, yeah. someone who who just uh, who only just started playing games a little while ago hears adventure game and think, yeah, I like Uncharted, I like Tomb Raider, I like Zelda, like, those are adventure games, it's like, they're they're not, it really is a lot of, like, combining items in your inventory to solve puzzles, and it's, like, really convoluted um, solutions to, to, to problems that you have no idea what to do, and... Uh, you end up if you don't like these games, you will end up basically playing the whole thing with a guide. Um, and in that case, you might just want to save yourself the stress and just go and watch a uh, combi- a compilation of all of the uh, cutscenes put together, which works pretty well. If you want to just if you just want to enjoy the story, you can probably go find a pretty decent cut somewhere on YouTube and and watch that. But Mike, this game is good enough to have made it into 1,001 video games we must play before we die. And I can hear you've got the book there on your end. Uh, you can do some uh, page turning ASMR if you want. Uh, and then you can uh, you can read what they have to say about this lovely game. Ooh, there it is, there it is. Manny
2: Calavera is a travel agent in the land of the dead, a skeletal smoothie who provides his recently deceased customers with a one-way ticket to the ninth underworld. When he begins to suspect that there might be more than meets the eye to Meche, his latest client, he finds himself embroiled in a heady brew of disasterly corruption uh, that will set him on an epic four-act quest. Almost every aspect of Grim Fandango is refreshingly ambitious, from the snappy references you have to be sinoliterate to grasp and the elegant unspooling of smart- plotting to the fact that LucasArts was struggling with its first attempt to recreate the static world of adventure games in three dimensions, its character moving against pre-rendered backdrops. In every aspect, it is a success, with smart design, devious puzzles, lovely art, and a truly memorable cast of characters. Grim Fandango is fashionable nowadays, but it is truly worth the love it gets whether the people talking about it have genuinely played it or not. (laughs) I love that last line in there because Grim Fandango, you were mentioning it early in the episode, Neil, how it is always mentioned in these great PC games uh, that people have to play very much in that EarthBound section mm-hmm. for me of people being like "Well, oh,
1: Earthbound's the greatest game ever
2: and but like a lot of people haven't actually played no uh games like earthbound because yeah grim fandango if you are someone who has played these new games it is difficult to go back to it's difficult to to uh to really appreciate it fully but uh it, it is something that's that definitely gets talked about all the time which is which is funny
1: yeah, it'd be interesting to know how many people have played it at this point, with all, or at least beaten like beaten it too, like not yeah. just play it like me. Like I had the uh, I had the audacity to return it because I didn't like it. But <laughs> I'm not gonna pretend like I played an hour of it and, and talk high praise for it because I didn't play it all the way through the same way that you guys all did. So yeah. uh, that's where I stand with that. Also, ske- skeletal smoothie. I don't I don't want to hear that again uh, in the review. <laughs> that sounds disgusting. Um, but yeah, I like, I like your comparison there that this is in the same echelon as like Earthbound, where I feel like a lot more Nintendo fans talk about Earthbound than Nintendo fans who have played it. Um, so obviously we've talked a lot today about recommending this game to people who understand adventure games and know whether or not they're going to like this type of game. It's, it's hard to know if you're going to like this type of game though, until you've played it. And this is probably the peak of adventure games. So even though it wasn't for me, I would say if you have even an inkling to try it, uh, to see if you like adventure games, I would recommend buying Grim Fandango and pick it up on Steam. Cause if you don't like it, you can probably return it and get your money back. Like I did. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Neil, I agree. Yeah, but what what do you think the future is of Grim Fandango? Because like you said before, uh, it's an old game now. It's uh, it's coming up on like thirty years old. Um, it's got it's, it's a little bit antiquated now in terms of gameplay. Uh, do you think or do you want to see a sequel at all?
2: Well, it is actually at yeah, twenty five years old. It's having its twenty fifth anniversary this week, which is crazy to to think of. But um, I, I don't think I need to see a sequel. I just want a proper remake. Of this game. This game is begging for a proper remake. It's the same way that Knights of the Old Republic is begging for a proper remake, and who knows if we'll actually ever get that. But the fact that this even got remastered in the first place is honestly a miracle. Like, uh, Tim Schafer had to go through a lot of hoops to get this out of Disney's clutches uh, when they uh, bought Lucasfilm uh, and LucasArts in 2012. This was quite a labor of love for him to bring this all back uh, and actually recreate this game. Uh, it's It's just... Too bad because there's a lot of quality of life things that were missed. I talked about it earlier with a friend of the show, of the show Dan. But uh, things like, yeah, subtitles uh, not being there. Things like uh, a better inventory system. There's there's a lot of things that could have just been improved super Easily, I, I feel like, but I, I do know the constraints that Tim Schafer had. It was basically just him bringing this game over. It must have been a huge challenge, not just development-wise, but just personally, and all the the... I guess the weight of uh, of a game like this on his shoulders to be able to actually put out that people can play. So I'm really glad that it exists. It's not like a Spider-Man Activision kind of thing where these games just are lost to time and only be uh, are able to be played physically. They'll never be on digital stores. Like it's really cool that Grim Pendango is available everywhere digitally. Like that is I think a huge win regardless of whether it got the quality of life um, changes that it should have gotten, but it, it really is begging for some kind of a remake because it's such a, an amazing story, amazing aesthetic, amazing game overall. The puzzles are really clever and really good. Uh, it would be great to have some kind of hints in there. It would be great to, to have, uh, just a couple of extra things to make the game flow a little better uh the cutscenes are can be a bit rough you know when you're looking back today the pre-rendered backgrounds and everything too uh so the, they just there's so much opportunity in this game like there's rarely a time where i play a game where i'm like oh this would be a perfect remake i could see exactly how this game would be made in 2023 and we've had a lot of misses with that stuff like um a, a somewhat adventure game like 13. For example, uh, X111, like that had a big miss in terms of its remake. And so uh, there is part of me that's a little scared to ever get a Grim Fandango remake. Uh, will we ever get one? It's hard to say. Uh, this game has a lot of clout, it's got a lot of cult following. I think maybe fans can push for it at some point, but for now, I'm totally okay being able to just buy this and play it uh, digitally everywhere.
1: Yeah, sometimes just a quick graphical upgrade is all we need. The quality of life things are nice, but I mean, you can pretty much adapt to everything. Sometimes the quality of life things don't always mean the game is going to be 100% better. Like you said, with uh, 13 or even Grand Theft Auto 3 that came out a year and a half or two ago that was basically remade, I think completely or mostly with AI and uh, didn't work out too well for Rockstar. But you're right. It's nice to see... Some of these Disney properties that they acquired when they uh, when they devoured Lucasfilm and and Marvel and everything they slowly start to let go of uh, the lice, the copyright and uh, put them out on these store shelves. You mentioned before Spider Man, the Activision games. Uh, those are a whole different uh, complicated web of uh, licensing deals and everything that need to, uh, need to be broken in order to get those games back. So we're going to be talking about a Spider-Man game in a couple weeks actually, which was great segue, Mike, you're killing it today. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I think a sequel would be really cool. Uh, I mean, I just like to see these characters come back in some way because the, the aesthetic of Grim Fandango, like I said before, is really cool. And we don't have anything like this, like at all, like, like the whole cartoon kind of goofy self-deprecating fourth wall breaking skeletons like yeah I mean, that's really cool <laughs> set in that day of the dead style almost like coco or uh the grim adventures of billy and mandy it reminds me a lot of those two things yes it um, does, yeah i think i think the video game space is is definitely open to have these kind of goofy kind of franchises exist in a smaller space not everything needs to sell 50 million copies in order to justify its existence and uh, i think i think we're starting to get around to that and it's nice to see these games exist in their own little niche um, on podcasts like this but mike while i'm sitting in my condo here waiting for grim fandango 2 and the grim adventures of billy and mandy to come out why don't let listeners know what they can expect next week on episode 36 of the unlocking what was cool podcast
2: Oh, man. On episode 36, we are talking about The Nightmare Before Christmas, Neil, nice. on November the 1st. The perfect time to talk about this movie. It's uh, going to be a lot of fun. It's its 30th anniversary, which is also crazy. We got our 25th for Grim Fandango, thirty for Nightmare Before Christmas. We're just going to keep going. It's crazy. All these big anniversaries uh, in, uh, in the fall. But uh, a classic that everyone always thinks that Tim Burton directed, but he didn't, Neil.
1: Nope. No, he did not. Henry Selick uh, directed that film. Tim Burton produced it. He had a lot to do with it, of course. But, uh, yeah, Danny Elfman as well on music. Uh, Just a fantastic film. Very short, which is perfect for me. It's like 70 minutes long. This is one of my favorite Childhood films. Years before Neil had his emo phase, like we talked about last week on The Black Parade, I grew up watching The Nightmare Before Christmas all year, but you're right, it is the perfect film. It bridges the gap between Christmas and Halloween, so it's the perfect time to release this episode on November 1st, so it's going to be a ton of fun talking about Jack and Sally and all the characters with you. Uh, so please tune in next week. We will be here to talk about The Nightmare Before Christmas. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to episode 35 of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. Leave us a rating and a review so we can make the show better. And if you're a Spotify listener, please keep writing in on the new Q&A feature. We love reading the comments on the show. You can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash unlocking what was cool. Supporters at the $5 level get to submit and vote on our monthly Patreon elected episode. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and join the weekly conversation on our Discord channel. Share us with your friends and family. Uh, What's the lead character's name again? (laughs) Manny. Thank you. Share us with your friends and family. Tell Manny, Neil says hi, and he'll be back in 40 years. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. Adios. Bye-bye. The Unlocking What Was Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. Our podcast is fan-funded by our listeners on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash unlocking what was cool. The show is produced, hosted, and edited by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Additional voices provided by Victor Young. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $5 level. AJ Olson 11, Bogus Lotus, Cube Dude, Dean Donian, Joey Sirico, Marty Thompson, SparksFly027, and WayOverrated. I actually think I'd like to maybe, maybe not 40 years, then I'll only be 70. I'd like mm. to live to be 93. So let's go with uh, 63 years. I'll, I'll see Manny again.
2: 63 years and we'll see Manny. Yeah,
1: that, yeah. that's that's fine. Yeah, ni- I mean,
2: 93 is a great year, so. Mm-hmm.
1: We were born in 93, so 93 and 93. I want to make it to that birthday and then I can die. That's good. <laughs> All
0: right.
1: <laughs> Planned out. <laughs>